inaugural podcast of Dailies, a film podcast. Um, I'm your host, Christoph. And I'm your host, Robert. And uh, so, a little bit of background on ourselves before we get right into it. This is a new podcast. You guys are a new audience. And this uh, podcast is actually going to be talking about films, believe it or not. Films. You know, you wouldn't believe it going off the title, but there it is. <laughs> um, so, we... Uh, we'll be watching weekly films um, and discussing them along with some uh, industry news and film news in general at the end of our podcasts. So, uh, And what we decided to do is sort of go through the Filmstruck catalog. Right. I think Filmstruck and Criterion are going to be our go-tos for sure. Yeah. And we're always going to be seeing films that we haven't seen before. Yes. These are all brand new for us and they should be brand new for you too, hopefully. And uh, for this first podcast, we actually decided on um, a Russian film from the Soviet era. Called Letter Never Sent. And who's that director, Robert? So, the director of this film, and, I'm, and I hope I pronounce it well, is Mikhail Kalatosov. Kalatosov. Yeah, man, these these names are uh, a handful to yeah. say the least. So every single name in the credits of this film is gonna be <laughs> sort so of a pain. Please, to we do not mean to offend any Russians in the audience, but um, some of them are a little complex for us. But yeah, so this is the 1959 uh, Soviet era film from Mikhail Kalatozov. He um, directed two um, other films, I believe, before this. One of them nominated for. Um, well, this one was nominated for the Cannes uh, Palme d'Or in 1960. And I believe uh, The Cranes Are Flying was his first big break as a filmmaker. It won the Palme d'Or back in 1957, I believe. Yeah, that seems to be his most popular film. And according to the according to a Criterion essay I saw on this film, this one is not as known to an international audience. Which is a shame. I mean, it's yeah, fabulous. It's, yeah, It's a fascinating film. And so, before we dive in, um, just want to briefly mention the plot of Mikhail Kalatazov's Letter Never Sent. It's, um, it's about a couple of geologists, and they uh, head into the um, Siberian forest to find diamonds. Yeah. And what they find is not exactly what they expected. Yeah, and within the couple of geologists, there's actually a couple, Tanya and Andrei. And then there's Sabinim, who's sort of like the leader of the group. And Sergei is what I would say maybe the black sheep of the group. I think in so. In some ways. <laughs> yeah. He's a really interesting character. And yeah, they all just head into the Siberian wilderness to find diamonds. And they do find diamonds. But everything just goes wrong after they find oh, the diamonds. Oh yeah. And we'll tell you all Most about unfortunately. it. Yeah. I guess a little bit of background on the director before we uh, head into the content of the film. Um, he was a contemporary of the legendary Tarkovsky. And um, he was also part of that Russian school of uh, Soviet-era directors back in the 60s. Yeah. Although, He's, Go ahead. His style seems, I mean, wildly different from Tarkovsky's It style. does. It does. I mean... To be frank, it's very stylized. I mean, it's very stylized. Yeah, it's very um, dramatic for sure too. 
and, and sometimes it's sort of whimsical. Yeah, melodramatic. I agree. Yes, very mel- melodramatic for sure. Yeah. Um, I believe in that essay that you were talking about, um, the author, can't remember her name. It's a long one. So she uh, talks about um, the film sort of portraying the melodrama in a socialist realism um, fashion, um, elaborating on how dramatic and triumphant the characters are at some points, um, which is interesting because, yeah. I mean, it's... it's I, I definitely saw that in there. Yeah, exactly. So I'm new to this director. This is my first work from him, so... Yeah, um, I'd never heard about this film before you picked it for this inaugural episode. I never heard about the film, never heard about the director, so it was just a whole new experience for me in so many ways. Yeah, exactly. And I'm glad I saw it. Me too. Okay, well, I guess with that, we can sort of head into uh, our ratings for yeah. it. So we'll try and do this every podcast. We'll sort of uh, open with our ratings and then dive right into the uh, different parts of the movie that we like to discuss. Um, so for me, um, I would have to give this an 8 out of 10 stars on my rating system. Um, it was, it was much more, uh, grandiose than I was expecting. I was, I was definitely thinking it was going to be a lot more subdued, but what I got, well, it was, it wowed me all the same. So, yeah, I was surprised by the style also. I mean, it was definitely more fast paced than I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. And what's sort of funny is on a... On a 10-star scale, I would also give it an 8. Okay, cool. Yeah. Look at that. We're in complete sync for our first yeah. episode. <laughs> cool. Very agreeable on our first episode. Um, so, yeah, I guess diving into the uh, different aspects of the film, we can start with um, the amazing cinematography. Yes. Wow. Yes. I mean, I that for, for the time that it was made, mm-hmm. it is radical in some of its decisions. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the four by three aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. I think when you're dealing with, when you're dealing with, I mean, every film deals with characters, but when you're dealing with people and you want to sort of be close to them, yeah, the four by three aspect ratio just really works. It and really this film has a habit of getting in close with those characters too. Yeah. I mean, right in their face, extreme close-ups. And something strange about it is there's so many shots of them looking up to the sky, mm-hmm. but you don't actually see the sky. You're Because you're looking at them. Almost throughout this film. Exactly. You're just looking at them and there's something... Fantastic about that. I don't know who it was up to to make those decisions, the director or the cinematographer. Mm-hmm. Probably the director to have them look into the sky and, you know, not shoot the sky. Exactly. I thought that was so interesting. The, uh, oh, of course, the legendary cinematographer is Sergei Urusevsky. Um, he, uh, I believe, influenced um, Tarkovsky's first film, actually. I believe he's been quoted at some point saying that Rusevsky influenced him in some way. And you can see it in his first early film work. But, I mean, not to the craziness that this film engages the camera. Yeah. I mean, there's there's points where, like, the camera's flipping around in a way I've yeah. never seen before. And it's just, it tosses you into the situation. I've never, I've never really seen wild-angle lenses being used mm-hmm. in the 4 by 3 aspect ratio. And I really enjoyed those sections yeah. where the camera is swinging about and the camera is unrestrained and they're using these wide-angle lenses and, you know, closing in on the characters and it's still in this boxy aspect ratio. That so you feel like you're you're trapped with these ca- these characters yes. and their situation that's yes. just insanely tragic. One and of the, uh, 
one of the most intense sequences, which I think we'll still get into later, was the one sequence where they were searching for, I believe, Sergei. Yes. And they're running, through running through the bushes. Yeah. I think it was actually Andre they were searching for. Andre, yes. Andre was uh, the he left one that died first. Second. No, second. Yes. Oh, right. They're they're running through I, the I forest. I could be wrong about it. Okay. I'll probably have to see yeah. it again. But they were searching <laughs> for someone. Yes. I believe um, Tanya and Sabining were mm-hmm. definitely in this scene searching for someone. And they were running through the forest. And you just feel caged in. You You sort of feel... It's a very claustrophobic scene. They're running through these branches and they can't yeah, get through the branches and they're screaming. And there was something so intense. I just really wanted to get out of. I, I mean, know. I you feel cinema. trapped I to just, just like, like turn it off. <laughs> get was. me out of here. It's a hellscape. <laughs> yeah. And the camera is just so crucial to getting that across. Um, you know, even I think in the first five minutes of the film, where I like they already let you know that the camera is going to have this uh, insanely vivid presence with yeah. our characters when they're walking through the bushes or the trees and stuff at the beginning off their getting off their canoes or kayaks. Yeah. And it's in the branches. It's and I'm like, I don't even know how they orchestrated a lot of that that sequence. It's very it's mesmerizing, but it's also in your face for yeah. sure. Another thing that was really cool was there were these scenes with double exposures mm-hmm. where they have a campfire going, but the campfire sort of overpowers the old image. That was yeah. So it sort of foreshadowed the ending. Exactly. I think that the um, the editing in this film we can we yeah. can dive in with. It's it's very radical. I mean, just like a lot of the camera decisions, the editing is just as radical. We've got the fire, like you've said, yeah. um, exposed over these these uh, images while he's recounting his letters to his uh, his wife back home. Yeah, and it's, I mean. And, um, it's very powerful. Yeah. I don't know if this is also... I mean, I feel like it's in part cinematography and editing, mm-hmm. but the scene close to the ending where Sabinin is calling out to his comrades and... And then like she appears? Yeah. And then his wife sort of appears. I don't... And then it's <laughs> insane how they yeah. managed to even pull that off. That was amazing. Very I radical. can't imagine what it would look like in color. Me neither. I, I mean, wow. I still appreciate his black and white, but like... I think the black and white works for the most yeah, part for this film, it especially does. Uh, making it seem as bleak and the content of the film as well with the, I mean, the fire having it, it's always like this super, it's always overexposed. It's a super white uh, dramatic presence when it starts overtaking the forest. And, um, and then the editing cuts through those scenes like, like a monster on, on its rampage, you know? Um, but yeah, very, yeah. very interesting. And as a film student, there's some things I see on the screen that just make me sort of have anxiety because these days we're always dealing with budgets. Exactly, and, and I know. Like and I I'm don't like, know how they do how it. How the hell did they get like yeah. the forest to be on fire for so, so long? So that's <laughs> something I want to talk about <laughs> too <was> in <laughs> terms of the production design because were those real trees? Were they burning a real no forest? Idea. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what a lot of like environmentally friendly people would say about this yeah, movie, but yeah. you know, I don't know how they achieved a lot of that look because it looked I mean, very yeah. real to me. I really want to know. Yeah, me too. Maybe there's some background information we can dig up sometime. We'll let you guys know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the fire in that forest, 
it seemed a little dangerous for the actors too at some points. I can't imagine what the temperature was. Me neither. In that forest. And even being in the snow also. That must have been Yeah, intense. you get like both extremes. It's like yeah. I don't know how they prepared for that, but they did it. They did it. The film it exists. Did. It does. Yeah. I mean, for its time I I can't say I was expecting these decisions to to be there. Um but yeah, and the story. What do you think of the characters and how the story went on? I really like the story. I mean, I like when a writer or a director can do so much with a, I guess, a, s- a relatively small concept. Mm-hmm. I like when they can make a satisfying story out of something like that, where it's just people heading into the Siberian wildlands. The stakes are high, though. The By the end of the, the film, they're yeah. so high. And, I mean... One scene in particular that just sort of came out of nowhere is this scene where they are digging for... I think they're digging for diamonds. They're digging the trenches, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, they're like digging for diamonds. The whole film was calm before that part. Mm-hmm. And then once they start digging, the soundtrack just starts getting really intense. Oh, and yeah. And you got the fire getting just overlapped. Like yeah. hacking away at the floor. <laughs> you're like, what the hell is happening? What's going <laughs> on, guys? Yeah. Yeah, that was like uh, the turning point of the movie, I think, was mm-hmm. finding that diamond. And um and then them feeling like they were successful, and then nature taking its course. Yeah, nature. You know, I think uh, the story is, it's definitely about man versus nature. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, among all the man versus nature films that I've seen, that come to mind, this was, this is somewhere above. Yeah, it's somewhere up there. Yeah, I can think of like the Turin House and uh-huh. the Revenant. Those come to mind real quick. I have to say, after watching this movie. I can't help but notice um, how a lot of this genre of survival film, like, I can see it in this movie. I mean, a lot of the decisions with the characters and and the environment and, like, stuff like The Grey or The Revenant immediately came to mind after I finished. And I was like, this yeah. must have been influential in some aspects. So, but yeah, the, the story, it was, it was very engaging. So Yeah. The scene where they wake up in the snow and... Tanya comes out of this blanket, sort of reminded mm-hmm. me of Leo, reminded me of Leonardo DiCaprio coming out of the, Ex- yeah, the exactly. horse's stomach in the river. Exactly, river. trying so. to rec- uh, take cover from the snow. Yeah. yeah, the um, and I think like the way that it escalates, um, it starts off very, very quiet. Um, the way that the um. The way that the story is presented in the first half of the film versus the second half, it's almost like you're going from a very um, a very normal film for the time and then escalating it to like this almost impressionistic you know take on like nature and, and human survival and what it takes to to get out of you know the hellscape that is life. Yeah. It's, it's this insane like escalation that happens immediately after the turning point and that sold the movie for me yeah it feels like a weird mix of what i would call a standard like soviet or hollywood style of Mm -hmm. filmmaking and sort of like an art house exactly i think i think what kind of like um the red herring there was the love triangle that they immediately established with the characters and i'm like i really love that huh yeah you know like that's an interesting dynamic and then the way they use it in the actual conflict with the fire and, and nature and how it pits them against each other, 
they there's there's such uh, great acts of uh, heroism in this movie um, that you wouldn't expect from the first half of the movie. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know what it all means yet. I still have to think about it because I just saw this film yesterday, but it was really interesting, the theme of people, you know, sacrificing themselves. Mm -hmm. And I mean, probably my favorite scene in this film was that scene where Sergei looks at Tanya and he doesn't say a word. Yeah. And she's like, Sergei, you're tired. You're tired. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so much like, it, you know, so much meaning in that scene. And just one little sentence there. Yeah. It's, yeah, incredible. Incredible. Mm -hmm. There's the character moments, I think. I mean, because the movie, it relies on this landscape to portray the story. Yeah. But the characters sort of paint the palette in this complete way. Um, you know, they're so, like, I was so connected to them, which is, I don't know. After watching the movie, I feel like I was connected to them more than I than I originally expected. It yeah. was it was it's because that t it's that tight knit group dynamic that they they present in this film. So and at first, when the characters are presented, you don't you don't immediately get the sense that they are complex or that they are interesting. Not at all. I didn't yeah. get the sense that I would like them after I saw the film. But I mean, each character is so different. But by the end, you sort of understand all of them, and you sort of in a way you like them. Mm hmm. I mean, especially I mean, even for Tanya, whose uh, motives are like they're questionable at times. And uh, I wasn't I mean, she she was flat at the beginning and then she gets some life when they find the diamond. And um, I believe, is it Andre yeah, or Sergey? <laughs> One of the two that um, she he, finds he, a diamond. Yeah. And, and then he, he starts to approach her in this menacing way. Yeah. And uh, I think she has. Um, you know that moment that you're talking about you're tired. you're tired it says so much about a character like she's much more intuitive than we think yeah you know she's smart she's the reason why she's part of this ge uh, geologist expedition yeah and what you realize is she knew that the letter that Sega wrote was mm -hmm. about her right from the beginning it clicked and that's yeah. why she told andre to keep it away exactly so, so that was that yeah was cool i think um when i was reading about um uh, the film, uh, its background information, the uh, reception at Cannes was a little mixed afterwards. It won, it won all this stuff or got nominated. And, um, and like initially everyone was sold on it. And then afterwards people started questioning the characters. And I was like, that's interesting because I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought that this would be a movie where the, the characters are going to be so questionable in terms of their motives. And like, yeah, it's it's bizarre because I mean really if you look at it from um, you know just looking at the film as a whole they don't come off as entirely complex characters, but the acting sells it the yeah. the cinematography sells it the everything sells it, and I mean we don't even know m a lot about Sabine but it still feels complex mm -hmm. because of I guess his relationship with his wife and the sort of ideas that he has about his quote unquote comrades. Mm -hmm. there was something he has this like humanism to him yeah uh that's immediately evident um once their struggle starts um but yeah i mean letter never sent you know title of the movie that kind of drives him all the way to the end i mean that's that's yeah. what's driving him there and he almost he doesn't give up i guess he's just at his limit when his wife appears to him uh while he's on the uh chunk of wood so i guess everyone who 
I mean, they all had something that they wanted from the outside world, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right? I but think he so. he maybe had the strongest. I think his was the most um, immediately recognizable. I think, um, you know, Tanya, she's... Um, I don't know what she wanted. Off the top of my head, I would say Moscow because I think she talks about it a lot in the movie, how her, you know, romanticized view of it is sort of what keeps her going. Um, same with Andre. Sergei. Andre. Andre is a boyfriend. Andre, yes. And, um, and then Sergei's, you know, motivation, I assume, is the love at first sight that he experiences. Because um, yeah. he seemed a little jaded about his previous uh, expeditions with geologists. But then there's that, you know, that moment, and he seems much more determined. So, yeah. yeah. It was a really satisfying plot. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Plot was, was mad satisfying. And the so. ending was amazing. I mean, all we needed at the end was just to see Sabine's yeah, eye. Yeah, I want to talk about the way they, um, that was the way they bookended the movie with the helicopter shots at the beginning yeah. and the end. Well, that's a that whole other thing we didn't talk about with the camera work. At the beginning, the shots um, descend with the helicopter as if we're dropping them off. And then at the end, we're sort of given the uh, conclusion of the expedition, so to speak, yeah. with the rescue helicopter. I mean, it's insane that they, they managed to pull that off, one. Yeah, it is. It is. And two, it serves a story. Yeah. It's not just some kind of, uh, you know cushion uh for the cinematography it's it serves the story we're dropping off these characters and now we're recuperating what we can from them yeah and it was a strange choice to make the camera sort of pull out yeah of the scene in the end it's like he's going home but yeah. for some reason we're sort of pulling away from yeah him. it's that like choice, we it it's almost like we have to digest what we just saw so we're kind of yeah. retracting with them it's it's a very interesting and bold decision, and I liked it a lot. Very much, yeah. And I guess we can talk about the directing a little bit more, uh, like the decisions with the uh, the actors and how he orchestrated the camera work and stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've mentioned the scene where they're looking for someone in the forest or in the woods, and you sort of feel suffocated by those branches. That's one di- one really strong directing choice that mm-hmm. I, I mean I, that I would commend about the film and then i'll say there was just like a lot of interesting sequences yeah like the ideal sequences like the digging sequence the search in the woods and the one the one sequence where they're calling out to the planes oh yes plane, i love rather. that sequence that was, that was very very that was amazing and one the most the most sort of artsy sequence in the whole film the one where tanya and sabining sort of look into the sky mm-hmm. i think they're like floating on a raft or something yes i believe and then they are looking to the sky and it felt like that scene was maybe shot in the studio potentially and uh, we don't know how much of this I mean, was shot in the studio i don't know who but, knows um, what the soviets were doing back yeah. then <laughs> well that, that one scene was amazing where it's just a profile shot of their faces mm-hmm. looking up to the sky and then you have the clouds behind them and they were just like yeah, and very contemplative scene. Yeah. And it was a really, really cool sequence. Yeah, I think um, that was kind of like a, almost like a breath of fresh air after all the exhaustive yeah. fire and survival. Um, but yeah, Kalatozov, the way he uses the environment to his advantage here, it's it's admirable. The um, I was such a huge fan of all the silhouette shots that he uh, he oh, yeah. went for there. Um, I mean, like, it's... it's uh, 
to me, it's like the almost obvious decision to emphasize the dramatic nature of their survival because it's like, you know, the sole man against the world in this black silhouette shot with the sky. You know, it's very uh, picturesque. I, um, I really enjoyed those. And like every time I saw a new one, I'm like, oh, yeah, I love this. <laughs> um you know and the sequences with um the uh the cutting or the uh, digging uh for the mm -hmm. diamond i mean it's just like erratic and yeah. it gets you in the mood for the chaos that's uh, about to come um so and yeah there's a lot of chaos mm -hmm. bold directing yeah. choices but bold story so it yeah fit. it's um definitely directed out of vision mm -hmm. and i mean you didn't write this story but for I mean, but for some, every every good director, I guess, should be able to, you know, sort of find something that's yeah, personal to them. Yeah, I mean, they have to find something in, in, in the, the film for them, yeah. And I feel like that really came out. Yeah, I agree. There's, uh, th I mean, it's it's very personal moments, like the one you were talking about with um, Sabine and um, Tanya speaking yeah. um, near the mountainside in the snow. And uh, it's... It comes out in those moments, I think, especially directing the actors the way he did. They were all very believable, by the way. Yes. I mean, I was sold on the characters from the get-go, so that's a good, that's a good thing. <laughs> what do you think about the? There was one particular section that was sort of whimsical. Mm -hmm. I maybe half wish that scene wasn't in the film, but I'm, um, I'm still okay with it. But Which the one? one, the one scene where Tanya. And Andre, you're talking about Moscow. Oh, and then yeah. they start dancing in the rain. Oh, so and I like, okay. okay. I yeah, let me, let me hear your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. So um, that, that was a really interesting um, moment in the film. And that sequence is actually a, a longer um, shot than uh, we first think. Because yeah. like it, it starts with them under the cover of, I think they're under a rain jacket or a boat or something. A raft, maybe? Wrapped, I think. Yeah, and uh, they come out and they start dancing joyously because um, Tanya is spontaneous, I suppose, yeah. and that's what, um, you know, Andre likes about her. Andre's the one that... Andre's a boyfriend. Yes. yes. Um, and then we see Sergei in the back, and he's, he's sort of watching almost. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's, like, this omniscient presence about him because the shot is... It stays on them for as long as it does and because we notice things start to happen around them. And then Sabini comes uh, and he uh, he talks to them about whatever. Um, and like it, it kind of, the scene works for me that way because it closes itself off like that. And it made it, it made them much more relatable. It made them communicate their feelings a little bit, I think. And we start to, because I mean, you have to spend those kind of moments with your characters to get a feel for them. Yeah. So that you can throw them into the, you know, the fire, uh, <laughs> so to speak, literally. Um, yeah, that's a that's a good way to look at it. Mm -hmm. It felt a bit out of place, but like I said, I'm still okay with it. But it's, I'm guessing I mean, it's, exactly. Yeah. I think it did fit into that whole like melodramatic feel that the first half had, yeah. at least the first third. Um, and, you know, and then it throws you for an even bigger loop because of your expectations after that. So... But yeah, I agree. Uh, first watch, I guess it did feel a little strange at first. Mm -hmm. um, but the way that it synchronized with the story for me, it worked. So. Yeah, I guess it kind of works to sort of deceive you yeah. into thinking this is some sort of other type of film and that these characters are not as complex as mm -hmm. they would end up 
becoming at the end. So um, it definitely adds its place there. I think it actually adds to their complexity as characters, maybe. Just because we see how lackadaisical they can be. But then when stuff hits the fan, yeah. you know, they're really, uh, they, they have their priorities. Yeah, yeah. That's a good know? way to look at it. So, but yeah, I mean, another interesting directing choice for sure. Mm-hmm. I guess it's one of those things also that was very much acceptable in the time when this film was made. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. And it made it more accessible, maybe. Um, I mean, I think that was... I don't know if that was part of the appeal for the, the first audiences, the the loop that it throws you for, uh, but it's very possible. Because you know? yeah. um, I think modern films are more grounded and sometimes maybe to a fault. Mm-hmm. But back then, they could do things like that that, that were a bit weird and maybe somewhat bizarre mm-hmm. and i i don't know how well this did in the russian box office so to speak <laughs> i can't say um <laughs> but yeah i mean audiences back then i guess were much more tuned into the experimental stuff you know especially in russia i mean in russia. all those guys were doing crazy stuff yeah oh yeah so Can we talk um, about the soundtrack the soundtrack yeah what do you think awesome um <laughs> I mean, it, it's because uh, there's there are moments in the soundtrack that that um, make it again seem melodramatic and um, romantic almost at, at, at points. Uh, but uh, the way that it sells the chaos and confusion of the um, the natural disaster that's sort of, you know, befallen them. It's yeah. it serves the story so well. And it was so intense. I mean, very powerful orchestral score. Yeah, at some points, that style of orchestration was sort of reminding me of, I think, maybe animated films from, yeah. I don't know, the 50s or something. Okay. It had this very grandiose yeah, exactly. sort of feeling. Like uh, Fantasia or something almost. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was really intense. Especially in that digging, digging oh, sequence. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything really about that scene. It's yeah. just the editing, everything. It's just insane. Um, yeah, it was a really, really good soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I definitely like to sort of listen to it in a situation where I'm not watching the film. Sort of, yeah. See, see how, how it feels, feels that way. I wonder if it's on like YouTube or iTunes or something. <laughs> I don't know. You might be hard best <laughs> to find it. Feels yeah, like it's a, a it's a little obscure. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I would totally put this on my iPhone. So, yeah, um, cool yeah I good score. I mean the. Uh, Especially, I'm not sure, I can't remember the ending, the music, it, it starts when uh, he's, he has the vision of his wife, I believe, at the end. Yes. And then it continues to the uh, helicopter shot. I think that was like, it, it sealed the deal. So, it Were was there, effective. Yeah. <coughs> Were there any sort of like sound design things that stuck out to you? I think, um, yeah, I mean, the sound, in terms of like the decision uh, for like... Um, focusing on certain elements of like nature especially with the fire i mean that fire is like always this constant thought in the back of your head when you're watching this um but yeah i mean the way and there's there's a lot of um voiceover when he's doing his letters um to his wife that he never sends yes yeah um yeah i wish i'd included more puns about the letter never being sent but anyway (laughs) um the the soundtrack like uh in those scenes 
kind of you know helps drive home that it's nostalgic too and I then i can't quite uh, remember the soundtrack honestly I like I'm, yeah you definitely accompanied the i'm well. reaching here so <laughs> <laughs> uh, but from what i remember i think that the soundtrack uh like complemented those yeah scenes. i mean i remember the soundtrack being satisfying mm-hmm. so yeah i believe that for sure overall a satisfying film i yeah, have to say satisfying film. it was a good first watch and so yeah i guess we pretty much wrapped up our thoughts on the film um yeah, i think we can film. dive into a little bit of uh the latest news that's happening in the industry some some new movie news uh i guess this will be our yeah. movie news segment let's see what's been happening this weekend what's everyone been talking about i don't know i mean uh we've got the new vice trailer with yeah. christian bale um that was interesting to see I've actually, I mean, I'm Nigerian, so I'm not too familiar with American politics. I'm so not Dick familiar Cheney with Dick Cheney too much myself. He's yeah. a mysterious character, and I think that's what Adam McKay is trying to show us. So, And Kristen Bill, I mean, I have no idea if that's actually <laughs> Kristen Bill. I, it's crazy. <laughs> the dude goes through so many transformations for his yeah. roles. It's Losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight. I think weight. he put on 40 pounds for this role. That is amazing. Yeah. So he he's dedicated, if anything. Yeah. Um, it looks it looks interesting. I like the big short and uh, some of his previous work. So. Yeah. The other guys was. Oh, he did the other guys. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. I actually, that was a surprise for me, too. I enjoyed it yeah. a lot more than I expected. I and hope they make a sequel for that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah. He also did. Um, he also did. What's it called? Anchorman. He did the yeah, Anchorman, Anchorman films. Yeah, the Anchorman films. Which are interesting, I guess. And yeah, it just it looks like an interesting film. I mean coming off the big shot, which was something that presented a really complex mm-hmm. idea to general audiences in a way that was digestible. Yeah, and it was humorous too yeah. and entertaining. I mean it was such a weird mix of documentary with fiction that it was always engaging. So I liked it a mm-hmm. lot. So it'll be interesting to see what he does with this. Yeah, I'm wondering if he's going to go the same stylistic route with, uh, you know, mixing, like, a lot of info dump stuff with, like, yeah. a lot of the character acting. I hope so. Yeah, it'll be fun. So we'll see how that pans out. Yeah. Um, and um, Sam Rockwell as George Bush. Oh, yeah. Was interesting casting choice. Huh? Was it George Bush or Bill Clinton? No, it was George Bush. That's his... Yeah, so Sam Rockwell as yeah, George Bush. That's, VP, that's so. interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, he sells it. For yeah. me, I guess. I wouldn't have thought Sam Rockwell would be George Bush anytime soon, but there he is. <laughs> it works, yeah. Yeah. Um, in other news, um, this week is the Busan Film Festival, um, South Korean highlight. A lot of uh, business going down in Southeast Asia right now. Yeah, I bet that must be a big festival. Yeah, it's actually one of the biggest um, Asian film festivals. And I think from uh, my understanding participation this year has like escalated dramatically well, that's something amazing. like 50 yeah which is great more films being made in asia is always a good yeah, thing for me i mean korean cinema uh, it's something that's really fascinating to me and i really want to see more of their films oh yeah i love korean cinema also, i mean like yeah underrated directors and artists working there for sure and something interesting that happened recently i guess maybe two weeks ago was mm-hmm. the news that the train to Busan, which I haven't seen yet, but which is oh, I've seen that. That's a yeah. ride. I heard it's a really least. good <laughs> film, so it's been remade. 
Oh, okay. In the States. And, hmm. well, I don't know how I feel I'm about that. See how that will go, but, but um, I'm going to watch the Train to Busan soon, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I think it's still on Netflix, so. Yeah, that's a fun one. Um, in other Korean news, I guess, uh, <laughs> we can mention that Park Chan-wook is um, going to be directing a new series for AMC. Yeah, you just told me about that today, and that is really exciting. Yeah, he's, um, I think the name of the series is the... I mean, two of my favorite shows, Mad Men and Halt and Catch Fire, were produced at AMC. My God, I love so Halt and Catch Fire. Nobody ever knows that oh show. Oh my God, so, uh, you're no my one best friend. <laughs> okay, hang on. I love that show so much. I haven't seen season four. I've been holding back on it because like, I just don't want that series to end. It is, yeah, wow. Yeah. That show is amazing. So the Park Chan-wook <laughs> show... Um, is called The Little Drummer Girl. Little and it has uh, Alexander Skarsgård in it, I think. Okay. There's so many Skarsgårds. I'm not sure which he's one is which. <laughs> <but> <laughs> is he's the big, bigger one, I guess. He's okay. the more known one. Should he was one. in Big Little Lies, I think. Yeah, that was him. Okay, we so, haven't seen, but... Yeah, he's, uh, he's great. He's in other stuff, too. I can't remember right now. Okay, but, but um, um, That's exciting, man. Um, I can't wait to see that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Me too. I, it seems like it's a spy thriller of sorts. Oh, I wow. think it might be set during the Cold War. I'm not sure. I wow. saw a, a little bit of the trailer before coming. Um, but it's an exciting prospect to have okay. a Korean director with AMC doing Park a spy Chan-wook. thriller. Yeah. I mean, and I think uh, it might be his, uh, that might be a good fit for him too. So. Yes. I mean, I bet it's going to be complex and it's going to be, it's definitely not going to be a linear story. I uh, bet. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm I'm excited. Yeah, that's, we'll see that's how that good goes. Good news. Yeah. Um. In other news, uh, we also. What was the other thing we wanted? We reside in Savannah, and in a couple days or weeks. Oh yeah. There's gonna be a festival. The film festival. In Savannah. Yeah. So we are okay. We probably should have mentioned this at the beginning, but we're both students studying film, in Savannah, yeah. and lo and behold, we've got a film festival coming up in the next coming weeks. So. And some amazing films, which have not been screened anywhere yeah, in public yet. Which is very exciting. Are coming to the festival, so it'll be really interesting. Oh, yeah, I'm interested that. for sure. And I mean, it's coming into award season, so we're going to start seeing a lot more of this stuff. Yeah. Um, you know. So hopefully maybe our second, third, or fourth, or fifth episode, we'll dive into some of our favorites from the festival. Definitely expect us to cover something from that yeah. festival. So we'll let you guys know about that. Um, and with that, thank you for listening, I guess. I hope you guys One tune in next week because we're going to be watching The Color of Pomegranates, which is such a hard word for me to pronounce because I've never eaten you know, pomegranates before. They're good. But I'll head over to the store after this. They're a little over episode. And <laughs> <laughs> I have a taste of pomegranates myself. Something S- interesting to mention yes. is that it's also a Soviet or and or. It seems Russian we're on a trend, film. yeah, with so, Russian um, filmmakers. So I hope you guys like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and if you want to go ahead and see the film before we see it, mm-hmm. maybe do so or with your probably opinions. try to, and uh, yeah. we'll. Uh, be watching that on filmstruck probably uh because okay. it is available there yeah for streaming so definitely uh tune in if you want to hear more about that and uh 
Thanks. This has been Dailies. Your film podcast. <laughs>